Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, everybody? I'm back. The Ruler is back. Welcome to the Ruler of the Court podcast, brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. Who am I? What's my name? I am Jason Jones. I am your host, bringing you some Kings talk, hip-hop talk, but, you know, a little bit of both, but we're going to start with the Kings as normal, just kind of go over what's going on with them, what I see what's not clicking, all that type of stuff. And there's not a whole lot to to say right now. At least not not a lot to say positive right now. Uh, Kings have lost three in a row Sunday night. They took another loss. This time it was to the Memphis Grizzlies. And we're back to January with this team again. And is it a sustained thing? I don't know, but we're back to seeing some of the same things that plagued them when they were just really struggling in January. And what is that? Turnovers leading the points with the other team. We're seeing you know, bad defense, breakdowns with communication, shooters left wide open. And we're hearing people after the game talk about effort, the need for the effort to be better, improved effort. Effort, 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 mental lapses, effort, you know, same things that, you know, that bogs this team down for the better part of a month. And what fixed it for the Kings the last time was they, you know, actually was, oddly enough, was connected to Memphis. Memphis had their, had they had two games at Memphis postponed due to, uh, you know, health and safety protocols dealing with COVID and the Grizzlies. That allowed the Kings to get some practice time in. And that started the process of getting them going back in the other direction in terms of their play. And they go on to win seven of the next eight games. So just uh, kind of just around that whole time when they started getting practice. You can even go back to the Knicks game before the games were postponed. But, you know, they, they got some practice time in. But practice will not save them. They cannot expect to just go to practice this time around and get things fixed because Monday... There's there's no breather. Monday, the Kings host Brooklyn. And then, (laughs) yeah, so then they get a couple of days off before they host Miami. So there will, you know, they'll, they won't practice on Tuesday, but they'll get another practice in Wednesday. You know, then they have the game on Thursday and then boom, we're off on, off on another road trip. Five game East Coast trip. So, 
what do they do? I don't know, but you can't. Uh, they can't sit around and wait to get three or four days of practice to get this thing together. But, you know, the, the first half of, this, of the season is uh, uh, quickly coming to an end. So you got to figure out how to work this thing out without practice. And there's a few things the Kings do need more of. You know, before, you know, I'm not going to dwell on the effort and everything. I, think, I feel like we hit on that all the time when they struggle. And... Nothing else you can really say about that except is get your head together. Play, you know, play hard. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. There's really not a whole lot to say on that, but hey. I don't know if you can tell in my voice, but it's just tiring to have to repeat these same things. And I can't imagine being a player or a coach in this situation where it's constantly going back to when things are struggling, going bad. It's what it is, you know the effort, the focus, the mental lapses, so on and so forth. But, you know, this is what teams that are not good do. You know, teams like the Kings who are about a five. Now, right now, they're two games below 500 to 12 and 14. But teams that kind of float around 500 do this. They look good for a couple of weeks. They look bad for a week. They look bad for two weeks, look good for one week. They're going to be up and down all year. So it is what it is. But. Again, like I brought up in our previous episode, what has been brought to light is the King's lack of depth cannot be ignored. This cannot be ignored. And no Marvin Bagley on Sunday, uh, last Friday against Orlando, there was no De'Aaron Fox or Bagley. Bagley's out with a sore calf. Fox missed the, the Orlando game with a bruised knee, but he came back to play against Memphis. But... Man, this team is just so thin. How, I mean, Daquan Jeffries has only played in two games, and he starts, you know, his second game, he starts on Sunday just because, you know, the, the Kings opt to go small and move Harrison Barnes to the four, and they just don't have a whole lot on that bench right now. At least not a whole lot on the bench that the coaching staff seems to trust. So... That depth is a major thing, but until you can fix the depth, here's what you got to do. You need your main players to play well, and that's not happening for the Kings. Uh, Harrison Barnes has been in a bit of an offensive rut the past week. You know, he's uh, scored under less than 10 points <laughs> in three of the last four games, and not surprisingly, the Kings have lost three of those four games just because. But Harrison brings them on offense is so important. They need him involved. They need him scoring. And it's just, you know, Harrison had a streak of three games, at least 20 or more. And he has scored 20 or more in six or seven games before we got to this, uh, this stretch of where it's uh, single digits in three or four. So... You get, you know, so it's no coincidence that all those games Harrison scoring double digits in, more than likely the Kings win, or you should say 20 or more, and when he doesn't, they lose. Harrison averages 20.3 points in wins. He's around 13 in losses. And I, I do believe some extra depth behind Harrison would help him, maybe have a little more energy to expend, but until that happens, Oh, they need. They definitely need more from Harrison. 
Harrison Barnes taking six shots in 29 minutes will not cut it for the Kings. They're, they are not built to have success with Harrison Barnes taking six shots. No, only made two. You know, had four rebounds and two assists in his uh, last game against Memphis. But they definitely need more offense from Harrison. Uh, they just don't have they, they don't have the weapons, and Harrison plays too many minutes, too big of a role to not to uh, not provide more for this team to have its best chances at uh, winning games. Secondly, uh, we're going to look at a uh, uh, one Mr. Buddy Hield. You know, he is just has not found that shooting touch that he's had in previous years still. Played in all 26 games, shooting 37% from the field. Just uh, to give you a kind of, that's the lowest amongst the starters by a cool 10 percentage points. Next uh, above him would be Fox. Uh, actually, it would be Bagley at 47.3%. Then Fox at 47.6. But yeah, Buddy has just been, has not been able to really find his way offensively yet this season, at least not consistently. Yeah, he's made 100 threes, but he's taken 272, shooting 36, no, about 37%. Not bad at all, but the Kings need him to average more than 15.9 points to have a chance. They need him around that 19, 20 point range. And they're not getting that from Buddy. Buddy had another rough shooting game on Sunday. You know, one of eight from three, two of ten overall. You know, just a, you know, just rough. And again, another thing with the Kings, they just can't expect to win if that's what they're going to get from Buddy. At least not consistently win. It's just not possible. And then as I was scrolling through my timeline and all that, just kind of get a feel for how people feel about this team. Not that I take, I more just look at talking points. I don't really take what people are saying all that seriously just because a lot of it's just based in emotion. And the guy even mentioned on Twitter a week ago, everyone was loving this team and it was a playoff team and look out for the Kings a week later. All of a sudden, everyone wants to run everyone off the, off the team. So, typical fan behavior, I know, but still interesting to monitor because now everyone was mad at Rashawn Holmes because <laughs> he only had 13 points and two rebounds in 22 minutes. But I will say this for Rashawn. He's had a hell of a week to deal with. You know, if you go back to last Saturday, February 6th, he had to deal with uh, Nikola Jokic. We'll put 50 on the Kings. I mean, I thought the Kings were doing all they could to slow him down. You know, he's just good. He goes from that. You play the Clippers. It's not a real, you know, um, um, a center per se. It's gonna they're gonna feature the way Jokic is featured. But then you go to Philly. That's Joel Embiid. Then you go to Orlando. That's Vucevic. Then uh, Jonas Valanciunas was the uh, matchup on Sunday. Mind you, Rashawn is undersized in all those matchups. You know, he's, you know, as Luke Walton pointed out at the Philly game, their point guard, Ben Simmons, is bigger than the Kings center, Rashawn Holmes. So, that, that the problem with that is this, I mean, taking shots at Rashawn is to not take into account the totality of what he's dealing with. You know, he, kind of like Harrison, 
he's he's spending a lot of energy defensively, and this team, you know, it's probably even more energy when the team isn't playing well on defense, like they weren't against the Grizzlies. And what the Kings get from Hassan Whiteside is also hit or miss, and that was going to be kind of the the big-bodied center to deal with guys like this. So I don't know what you do. I really don't. I mean, I think Rashawn will be fine. I mean, he hasn't had uh, that low a rebounding game just two all season. No, I take that back. The last time he had that lower rebounds, he had zero uh, in that loss to Toronto in January. We had 10 points and zero rebounds, which is almost impossible to imagine Rashawn with zero. But that's the only time, you know, where that's happened. So I wouldn't be too caught up in Rashawn's play. To me, the bigger concern should be how do you get Buddy going consistently? I mean... Buddy's missing some wide open looks right now. I mean, it's, it's I don't think it's a matter of not getting offense for him. I think they're drawing stuff up for for him out of timeouts, getting him good looks. He's just not making them. So, Buddy Hield, Harrison Barnes, those are the two guys you need. Or we're, if you don't if you don't get that and the effort fix, we're back to the same old Kings. And I'm gonna be honest, I don't want to watch the same old Kings. I think I'm well-versed in this version of the Kings, and I just don't want to watch it no more. So I'm not one to root or cheer for them, but please don't make me have to watch that. I'm begging them. Please, can they get some consistent effort? Can they pick it up? You know, at least be competitive, because i got to watch them get blown out all the time. It's not going to be fun for me. It won't be fun to talk about. It won't be fun to write about. It just won't be fun. So I implore you, dear Sacramento Kings, please find your your mojo. Make this entertaining. Let's not get back to January's bad mix of bad defense, turnovers, and inconsistent offense. And that's what we we saw all of that against the Grizzlies. And we don't need to return to that. We really don't. No one needs that. No one wants that. No one deserves that. It's just, no. Oh. Yeah. You know, as, and, you know, as we said before, the last time the Kings had a nice stretch of games, they were able to get some practice in, but there will be no practice to save them this time around. No practice time. Nothing to save them. Why? Monday night, you get Brooklyn. You get a couple of days off, but Tuesday will be off after playing three and four. Now you get a practice day in. Host the Miami Heat. Then you're off on the road. So no rest for the weary. No one's going to feel sorry for these Kings. They just got to figure this thing out. Just got to figure it out. So... That's where I really don't have a whole lot more to say about the King just because it's, <laughs> I mean, there's just not a whole lot to say. You know, I think it's pretty simple. You know, Buddy's got to play well. Harrison's got to play well. Really, they don't have a lot of room for error. They need everyone to play well to be competitive. If they get a night like they got, like they had again on Sunday, 
where in the, in the box score, De'Aaron shows up, but none of the other the other starters do. And your next leading scorer is Tyrese Halliburton off the bench. Get ready for another streak of blowouts and bad losses and everything else you can think of because it's going to go that way if the Kings can't figure out this whole effort, consistency, mentality thing. I think Luke Walton mentioned it after the game, and I've heard it said for years. There's a certain level of competition, fight, competitive spirit, all those things that you need to be good in the NBA. And until the Kings show they consistent can, can sorry can consistently be those things, this is what you're going to get from them. Like I said, you're going to get a couple of weeks of good ball, and then you're going to have multiple nights like they had Sunday. So that's where I am with the Kings. I really don't want to talk about the Kings anymore. <laughs> I don't know if you can blame me, but yeah, I don't want to talk about them anymore. So let's shift over to my favorite part of the show. Maybe not your favorite part, especially if you're not a hip-hop head like myself. But it's my favorite part of the show. And we're going to dive into a little hip-hop talk. And I got two things, actually, this week. One is more inspirational, inspirational to me. And the other one is more nostalgia. But let's start with the inspirational. Uh, if you are, if you've got a chance or you haven't had a chance, you need to check out that Judas and the Black Messiah soundtrack. Just because Jay-Z has once again returned at 51 years old to remind us that he's pretty damn good at rap music. And... It's, it's just the idea that, you know, the song is called What It Feels Like. It's with Nipsey Hussle, the late, great Nipsey Hussle. And here's why that's, that this this whole song's inspirational for me. Now I'm speaking for the part about Jay-Z. I remember growing up wondering if rappers would ever, like, get old and, like, still be making music. Like, would we see 50-year-old rappers having concerts? It was like, it just seems like it was so impossible because rap was so new and you didn't see old rappers. So it was like rappers were kind of coming in and out two, three years. They got, you know, guy might be a hit in 91. By 94, 95, that dude is done. So, you know, I just always wondered, are we going to see rappers get better with age? Are they going to, you know, be able to evolve and still give us good music you know later on in the game and jay is doing that i mean if you guess if you i'm telling i implore you that if you want to hear just some just oh me I, I can't even describe it you know put away jay went off on this verse on this nipsey on this verse with nipsey you know maybe some of that had to do with the fact that he won he you know don't didn't want to have a bad verse on a nipsey track but Nipsey's even Nipsey's uh part on this song for you know you know considering we lost him two years ago you know this is when that that means this was recorded back then you know you know at least two years ago and it just sounds flawless Jay does his thing and it just reminds me that you know what even as you get older there's no reason for you to not continue to elevate your game, elevate what you do, 
take it to another level. And I think Jay-Z clearly does that. I think Jay-Z is a better rapper in 2021 than he was in 2011 or 2001. And you just don't see this from uh, in hip-hop. You don't see a guy that has a run that started in 90, you know, at 20, basically, you know, the only guy I can think of who, can, who has a comparable run, who could say he's had a you know two plus decade run and been irrelevant the whole time, would be Snoop Dogg. I think Snoop is the only guy in that category with Jay, in terms of just long term relevance. So to hear what Jay did on this song, I said you got to check it out. You know, just you know, it's it's excellence and. Reminds me and it reminds all of us, especially those of us in that over 40 crowd, that you can get better with age and you should get better with age. You should understand your craft better, understand what works, what doesn't work. Continue to apply all you've learned and do like Jay just did. Like I said, just drop a killer ass verse, you know, on this song. Uh, I've listened to the other songs on there too. I love the Nas song EPMD. I mean, you know, there's that, that there's some music, but I just think Jay has a way of keeping himself elevated, like like no other. And you have your people who say Jay Z is overrated. That Jay Z only is where he is because you know of the void left by you know, you know Biggie and Pac. You know. Whatever I, I've heard that argument for years. But like I said, we're talking about a twenty-plus year run at this point. Just you know, I mean, it's not like Jay even has to do albums. You know, what was it last year? I believe it was when he jumped on the "What's Free" song with Rick Ross and Meek Mill. But at this point, Jay can give us one great verse a year, and we'll be happy till the next album. And that's just my, like I said, my relevant, my current, my inspirational hip-hop note of the week. Go listen to that song. Hit me on social. Hit me on Twitter, Instagram, whatever the case may be. Let me know what you think of that. Let me know if I'm just a big fan of Jay-Z at this point and I can see no wrong. Or am I just, am I missing it? Just let me know what you think because... I find that song, I found that, you know, that song, like I said, Nip and Jay, I found it to be my favorite song on that uh, Judas and the Black Messiah soundtrack. So that's part one. And part two, we're going to go to is one of my favorite all-time albums, probably the first double disc I ever bought or was interested in Tupac's All Eyes on Me, 25 years old, um, saw that and I was like, has it really been that long? You know, was it, has it really been that long? But yeah, you know, 25 years, out of jail, signs with death row, you know, Gets you know has some songs, gets some songs from the Dog Pound Dre and all that produces a you know a masterpiece and kind of like I did with Kanye and the College Dropout, you know this is a double disc so I wasn't I'm not gonna take you through all of them but just want to take you to some of my favorite highlights of this album as we get nostalgic and look back at that one of the great albums ever made in my opinion yes I'm biased. You know, 
So let, let's jump right to it. Uh, all about you. And for a kid in high school, you know, of course, you know, in 2021, <laughs> you know, this song is just like it was just considered, you know, you know, you know, misogynistic, which it is, you know, you know, everywhere you go, you see the same hoe, you know, you can't, you know, you wouldn't maybe put this song out in 2021, but when this thing dropped back in the 90s, you know, it was just, you know, yeah, it 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 drove us crazy out there in the streets. So, you know, that one, you know, that's that's probably still a, you know, if you go to the right party, turn that on, it still hits. Because I just felt like overall the production and the music on this on this album was ahead of its time in many ways. I think I've mentioned that on here before. So, you hit on that, and then, you know, I want to jump over to Got My Mind Made Up, uh, which was, you know, Tupac, Daz, Corrupt, Med, uh, Method Man, and Red Man, and got a little uh, nugget on this, listening to Jamel Hill's podcast, her interview with uh, Method Man, where he said that, she was, she asked him what was his favorite uh Collab when he did the uh, the what with Biggie and, and Biggie on um, Ready to Die or was it this one? And he said Biggie because that he was actually in the studio with Big for that. Whereas this one, this was actually a Dog Pound song they gave to Pac for this album. It's actually one of my favorite songs on the album. It was crazy to learn that that Pac basically jumped on this song at the end. Uh, her, or after maybe after it was made or whatever the case may be, he jumps on there and gives us a it gives us a real solid verse, you know. But yeah, I thought all five MCs on this one hit it out the park on this song, you know. So I just yeah, I'm a big Method Man and Red Man fan anyway. But yeah, I think all five MCs hit it on this one. So. Let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. You know, you know, you you know, y'all know about how do you want it. You know, y'all know two of America's most wanted. You know about that. You know, you know the the cool video Snoop and Pac and in court or whatnot. You know, but I want it. Where I want to jump to now is uh actually Hearts of Men. Never mind, we're still on disc one of the of the double CD, but Hearts of Men. And why do I love that song so much? This one, should I say? I think DJ Quit did the damn thing on that beat. You know, you know. Whenever I hear this song, I heard I was playing it last week. I mean, I still play a lot of these songs now. And where that, you know, the production by Quick, that beat that comes in, that sounds like it was made this year, not made in the '90s. Quick was a Quick did the damn thing on that, you know, and the, you know, so that's why I wanted to highlight that just because I want to once again, that I've done before, give props to Quick because that one, that that's another one that you know that, that kind of goes on, and then so we just keep on going, just keep on going. Like I think you know, I'll skip over a couple of them. Life goes on, you know. I like that one. Uh Pac letting Rapper Fote get on on Only God Can Judge Me. Then California Love the Remix with Dre and Roger Troutman. Another song that you read, you read that that song was basically given to Pac by Dre. 
and Pog jumped on there and he killed it, of course. That video, in some ways, is like still iconic, you know. Now that we, now we lost Pac after that, we also lost Roger Troutman. So that's that video, you know, because you have the Mad Max version, but the remix version, that video there made me want to go party. I was like, if that's how they party, I want to go to a party. I need to go. I need to go party with like rich people. So <laughs> that's what that's that right there did. And I ain't mad at you with Danny Boy. You know, that's another just classic. You know introspective type song that's because pot can do it all and you know just you know you know kind of understanding why people go the way they go make decisions they make i enjoy that song to this day so you know let's keep on going now jump to a couple of tracks on discs too before i get out you know holler at me I, i i really felt like the the anger in pocket this one or like you know just the feeling like damn you did me like that and you know i felt like he was talking to some you know he was talking to people who were around then like talking directly to them on that song so you know that one right there is always going to be you know going to hit hard and uh i said you know let's give you a couple of more you know just you know, just in case I got some younger folks who don't who ain't known about this old Pac, but you know, let me see, what do I want to hit y'all with? Uh, Run the streets. That's still like my like, you know, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm like, my girl could play that for me, and I'd be like, cool, you know. And if you listen to the song, you know why, you know, she would be telling me I can run the streets. You know, because it's just a, it's like a hip-hop love song, you know? Like, let me go be me, I'm going to come back home to you. I mean, Pac, I said Pac did all type of stuff, you know? You know, checkout time, you know? That's somebody who travels as much as I do for work. We're not traveling lately, but all the travel, that, you know, that song is always going to be kind of near and dear to me, too. This checkout time, you know? I would sing it right now, but... Yeah, I don't want to hear that. So, again, that's your hip-hop portion of the thing. Uh, my recommendation is go check out that latest Jay-Z, um, him on that Nipsey song from the Judas and the Black Messiah soundtrack. And for nostalgia's sake, go put on Tupac's All Eyes on Me. Spend a couple of hours just delving into Pac and what he does and enjoy some good music so like i said don't really have much else on my mind thank you for listening if you have indeed listened to the end of this uh you can find me on theathletic.com got some new stuff up i uh, you know probably the most the biggest thing i did was had a one-on-one conversation with luke walton last week so you definitely get a chance to check that out uh you can find me on twitter mr underscore jason jones on Instagram, Mr. Jones LBC. Y'all know where I'm at. Y'all have a good one. I will touch base with everyone soon. Take care. And I'm out.